The following is a production by Cutting to the Chase Podcast. And, you know, a couple of times I would say to people around him, like, that's a joke, right? Like, he likes me, right? And, and they said, oh, yeah, yeah, if he's making fun of you, he likes it. I said, okay, that's good, but... Dan Shulman, how you doing? It's great to uh, be chatting with you today. Uh, good to see you. Well, I'm doing great. Baseball season's underway, so it's all good. Yeah, definitely. So um, for, before we get into the Blue Jays a little bit, I was curious, with your background, how did you get to where you are today to become the Dan Shulman that we see on TV? Well, that's a long story. So um, I, I went to school at uh, Western University, London, Ontario, and was just a math major. Uh, didn't even think about this as a career on the side, just for fun, kind of volunteered at the campus radio station uh, at school. And uh, I graduated as an actuary and worked for about six months and decided it wasn't for me and sent out some old demo tapes on cassettes back in 1990, I guess it was. And, you know, I'll skip a few parts of the story here, but eventually uh, got to uh, the all sports radio station in Toronto part time, then full time. Uh, and then the uh, the network that did the Blue Jays back then, their announcer left and um, a spot opened. And, and I auditioned this a few years later. Now, I auditioned and, and got the job. And uh, about the same time, ESPN heard me, too. And I was doing Blue Jays and doing some local radio in Toronto. And from about 26 to 30, my life just was going at warp speed. Everything changed really, really quickly. So I was very fortunate. Um, I was in the right place at the right time and some uh, some pretty good companies needed some some uh, young, cheap labor, I guess. And uh, and they chose me. Well, you've obviously become a huge success. I mean, I you're uh, most college basketball fans know you with ESPN. I remember you with Sunday Night Baseball back on ESPN a while ago. And of course, now the Blue Jays. So uh, Blue Jays, they're a young, fun, exciting team. They're a team that I think a lot of people are looking at, you know, possibly potentially winning the ALEs. I know the season just started, but they have a lot. They're stacked. And so, uh, yeah, right off the bat, um, I know playoffs are probably the expectations, not just for the team, but probably the fan base. But uh, what would you say, uh, what's the buzz, I guess, in Toronto? Obviously very excited, but are they kind of thinking like we want to win the World Series or, you know, let's get to the playoffs and go from there? So very excited. Uh, you know, they appear to be getting better year by year, but they had a very painful miss the playoffs by one game situation last year. And if you remember last year, um, they didn't spend most of the season at home. They played in Dunedin, their spring training site. They played in Buffalo uh, and they only came home at the end of July. So they missed out on more than half a season of home games. So uh, people are very excited to have them home. People are very excited to play 162 and people are very excited that they might be uh, good enough to win the division, make the playoffs, that sort of thing. So I think the expectation is make the playoffs. You know, once you get into the playoffs, who knows what's going to happen, right? So, uh, but when you play in the American League East, there there are no certainties. Tampa Bay's good. Boston's good. New York's good. Um, now, all four of them could make the playoffs with six playoff spots in each league this year. But uh, I would say the expectation is uh, put yourself in a position to make the playoffs and then see what happens. Yeah, the lineup, of course, is stacked. I know they made some additions to the rotation. Is there really an obvious uh, weak link on this team? I mean, maybe you could say maybe the inexperience come playoff time, things like that. But is there anything that's obvious that may, you know, down the road, of course, concern a fan in 
down the stretch or even into the playoffs, uh, that might be a glaring weakness right now? Well, you know, the funny thing is they lost Robbie Ray, who won the Cy Young Award, and they lost Marcus Simeon, who finished third in MVP balloting, yet they still seem to be everybody's trendy pick coming into the season. Now, they went out and got, got Kevin Gosman. Kevin Gosman could do great and still not do as well as Robbie Ray did last year. They went out and got Matt Chapman. Matt Chapman could do great. I know he's a third baseman. Simeon played second, but you know what I mean? And still not do as well as Marcus Simeon did last year. So I do think they're better. You know, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, a year older, a year more experienced. I think the defense is better. Overall, I think the pitching is better, but I don't think anything should be assumed here. Like they're going to have to play well to get in. So to me, it's is the starting rotation just kind of good. It doesn't have to be outstanding because the off- they're going to hit. They're going to score runs. But can the starting rotation just be good? And can the bullpen be good? Again, it doesn't have to be great. They had a couple of stretches in the first half of the season last year where the bullpen let game after game after game get away. And to me, that's where they lost their playoff spot. So I think the bullpen is better, but it's not uh, it's not a lockdown, you know, one through eight or one through 10, however you want to say it, um, bullpen. It's got a chance to be pretty good, um, but I think they've got to go out there and prove it. So I, I would say... You know, if there are concerns, it's on the pitching side. I, I believe the offense will score and the defense has improved. Yeah, uh, I was watching a little bit of the Texas series and then, of course, a lot of the first couple games against the Yankees. And uh, they traded, you know, shutout win loss with the Yankees. They lost their last game against Texas. They had the, the big comeback on Friday night. So, as you said, the offense can definitely score. It's crazy with the lineup, too, with Biggio, Guerrero, Bichette. I remember watching, I mean, I'm not that old, but I remember watching their dads play. So, it's I feel a little bit older just putting it that way. But it's cool to see that team. I remember we, 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 when we talked two years ago, this team was just starting to kind of find this potential or tap into this. And now it's like, okay, They've you know essentially arrived, and they're still going to get better as they go. But it's a fun team to watch for sure. Yeah, I, I, I've said on the air a few times last year and this year already. You know, everybody's got their favorite team, but if your favorite team isn't playing and you want to watch a baseball game, I think a lot of people would tune in the Blue Jays. I think the Blue Jays have a chance to be uh, the second favorite team of of a lot of people in the United States. Obviously, they're the favorite team of most people from coast to coast in Canada, but. You know, if you're a fan of a Central or a West team, you're not rooting for the Yankees or the Red Sox. I think you'd rather see the Blue Jays do well. And like you said, I, I think the Guerrero Bichette thing is big. The names are something, but also the town. I mean, Vladdy's 23 and Bo's 24. Guerrero would have won the MVP in any year other than the Shohei Otani year. And Bo Bichette had 29 homers, 102 RBIs, 25 stolen bases, hit 298 first full year in the big leagues. Like they are really, really fun, exciting players to watch. And if you watch, you don't have to watch a lot of Blue Jay games. If you watch one or two, especially if you're watching our feed, the Blue Jay feed, because obviously we tend to show the Blue Jays a little bit more. The other guys show the other guys a little bit more, but you don't have to watch very long to see how much fun they have, whether it's Teoscar Hernandez, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., George Springer, Guerrero, Santiago Espinal, on and on and on. Um, this is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting old and I've been doing this a long time. This is without question, the most fun group I've ever seen, the best group to deal with from a media perspective. There's not a bad guy in the room. Um, and, and I think people like that. So I think for a lot of people, this is their second favorite team. 
you know, I was just about to ask you if this team was maybe your, the best you've seen or at least the, one of the most fun teams. And I mean, uh, the home runs. I love when they have that jacket. I saw it Friday night. I was, I was actually playing a, a baseball online dice game with a friend. Shout out to her and her first graders, by the way. But we were, I was, I, they'd hit a home run. And uh, I was like, Gene, you got to watch this real fast. The, the way they, they celebrate the home runs with the jacket. I love the, I love the way the players have fun these days. And they're kind of being, uh, I guess I'll say, allowed to showcase that fun. Yeah, the jacket. So it's called the barrio, the, barrio, the neighborhood. And on the back of the jacket uh, are about 30 different countries are representative. And it's where the players are from, where staff members are from, where fans of the Blue Jays are from. They put a lot of different countries on there. They added to it this year. It's a new jacket this year. It was the brainchild of, of a guy named Tito LeBron who works for the team. He's an interpreter. He helps him out playing first base on the infield on the during infield practice. Uh, great guy. Um, and they all love it. Uh, you know, even the like Marcus Simeon last year was not a look at me kind of guy. But he got into it. Matt Chapman's gotten into it. Danny Jansen's gotten into it. He styles when he puts it on. And, you know, when it's Vladdy or Teoscar Hernandez or somebody like that, it's at another level. And, and they do have a lot of personality. They don't taunt the opponent, but they show a lot of emotion. And, and as you said, I think it's good that players are being allowed and even encouraged to, to show that emotion because they they are really fun. They, they're, a, they're a fun team to cover on a daily basis. And how huge was it when George Springer signed as a big free agent before last season, right? I mean, that was kind of one of those signings where it's like he probably thinks this, this sees this team as being on the rise. I can help put them over the top. He won it with Houston. Uh, that obviously probably signals a lot to the team and the fan base. But also, uh, I'm trying to remember, honestly, just thinking about Springer. Was there a, a, any negative, uh, I guess, reaction just based on the whole Astros thing? Or were people like, whatever, it's in the past. He's with us now. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, he was interviewed a couple of times about it when he first got to Toronto, but he didn't have very much to say. He basically said, I said what I needed to say when I was with Houston. Um, and, you know, as soon as he walked onto the field as a Blue Jay, Blue Jay fans kind of embraced him. And again, remember, they weren't in Toronto, right? Oh, right. Yeah, that's right. His first, he signed uh, at the beginning of the 2021 season and he didn't come home until July 30th. So they had four months of Springer. Uh, unfortunately, about two of those four months, he was on the injured list. So really, the big story about Springer was, could he get healthy? Um, but by the time he got home, uh, he and the team came home on July 30th, it was, it was not a story at all. And, and uh, the, the fans were just so happy to see the team. Yeah, by then it's like, okay, we're, we're more into the team at this point anyway. Yeah, that had to be, uh, I know with you know COVID and all that stuff that was going on in the last tier, two years, uh, that had to be pretty uh tough to have to you know kind of go back and forth or i guess start here and play over you know finally get to go home later but it had to be tough on the players and staff and everybody involved with that as well yeah and they didn't complain at all and, and I, I don't think they've gotten enough credit uh south of the border to be honest with you for what they went through 2020 they never came home they played in buffalo the whole time 2021 two months in dunedin two months in buffalo two months in toronto basically so there's no question that that hurt them. When when they played the Yankees in Buffalo, the Yankees had way more fans in Buffalo. In Florida, in Dunedin, they played Tampa Bay, who had more fans, the Yankees, who had more fans, Philadelphia, whose spring training home is Clearwater right there, who had more fans. Canadians couldn't go to Florida. The border was closed. So there were no real Blue Jay fans. So every game felt like a road game for the Blue Jays until they got home July 30th. But Charlie Montoya and his staff deserve a lot of credit. You didn't hear any complaining. They just kept playing. And they, I think, you know, once they got back to Toronto, 
they went 20, I know they went 25 and 11 at home once they came home. And I think overall they went 40 and 23 or something like that. And in hindsight, people on the team have said, if they would have spent the whole year at home, they would have made the playoffs hundred percent. And I agree. I, I don't know how you argue that point, to be honest with you. I mean, it, it was, it was very difficult what they went through. Now, listen, there were, uh, you know, there was much more suffering in many other areas during the pandemic than what a baseball team had to endure. I understand that, but I, but I'm just talking from a baseball perspective, they went through something the other 29 teams didn't, but when they, when they got home last July, even though there was uh, restricted capacity, it was only 15,000 at the beginning, the 15,000 that were there sounded like 50,000. And there were a lot of emotional people, players, manager, coaches, broadcasters, fans. There were a lot of, you know, people whose eyes were welling up a little bit uh, after everything that had gone on the last couple of years. Oh, yeah, definitely. Are you uh, currently in New York or Toronto? Uh... I'm in Toronto. I'm not on this series. So for the um, I do more home games than road games. We have three announcers and two of us are there every game. So we rotate. So. Uh, no, this is the home office. This is not some setup I have in New York or anything that you think. So, yeah. <laughs> so, the, uh, uh, yeah, I'm not on this series. Yeah, I didn't hear you on the call. So, I figured you probably weren't there, but I uh, was just curious about that. But, yeah, so shifting to college basketball real fast. So, yeah, we kind of already alluded to it, but how great, how did it feel to be back more normal than anything that we've seen the last two years, of course? Really, the probably the most normal it's been in three years when you consider, you know, back to, uh, crowds and the tournament was able to happen but also be in not just in one confined area so what was it like to finally kind of get back to that normalcy it, it was great um i mean there were still thinking i'm canadian so you know there was stuff i had dances i had to dance to get over the border and stuff i had to do testing both ways coming back but that's fine but um you know i let's say i do 40 games over the season i bet you the year before this past one i probably did 10 on site 10 from home where I'm sitting right now and maybe 20 from a studio in Charlotte. This year I did all 40, as far as I can recall, from the arenas. And it was great. You can't, you know, Kansas is Kansas. Duke is Duke. Um, you know, you, Arizona is Arizona. You can, it's different when you're not sitting there at the arena. So, um, you know, as much as I was a little bit wary of the travel and the crowds and I didn't want to catch COVID and I have some, and you don't compromise family members and so on. It was great to as many precautions as I took. And I took as many as you can take. Um, it was great to be back at the arena doing games again. Yeah, I was also curious about the, the extra, you know, travel implications, especially like you said, going over the border back and forth, how uh, you probably, of course, had to deal with that. But it sounds like it wasn't. Uh, I mean, you knew what to expect, I guess. So it sounds like you're. <laughs> For lack of a better word, you're used to it, I guess, or you knew you knew what was going into it. So two years ago was much different. Two years ago, we still had to quarantine for 14 days when you came home to Canada. So I when I crossed the border for ESPN, um, I'm trying to remember, I, I crossed in November, was in the States for about a month, came home, quarantined for 14 days. A week or two later, crossed for two months came home for 14 and quarantined again, you know, that I, like I couldn't go back and forth every week. So two years ago was no fun. I, I won't lie to you. I didn't see my family very much. And when I was home, I had to quarantine most of the time this past year, it was just get a test, um, get a test going to the U S get a test coming back to Canada. So not, not a big deal. You, you learn where to do it, how to do it, when to do it. Um, you know, wear your mask, DoorDash or Uber Eats your food at night if you don't want to go out and sit in a crowded bar and and go call a basketball game. So it, it's 
Uh, we're definitely getting closer to normal. We're not all the way there yet. And, and but this past year, it was great to, to, you know, to take that big step forward again. Yeah. And I realized be, there's no substitute to being there to call a game. But was there anything about watching it, I guess, remotely that maybe I won't say was better in any way, but maybe gave you an extra vantage point that you may not have realized? Or was it just like this is an obvious substitute? Like it sounds seamless to the audience listening on TV. They may not realize you're not there, but did it just seem weird or awkward? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's nothing better about calling a game off TV professionally. Personally, you know, if it, I'm home. So when the game's over, I'm home. I can sit down with my wife and have a glass of wine, or the next morning I can drive my son to school or whatever the case may be. So, you know, those things you appreciate, but all in all, it, it's you would much prefer to be on site. There, There's nothing you can see at home you can't see at the arena um, and there are a bunch of things more for baseball than for basketball, to be honest with you, that you might not see calling a game remotely. You just you're, you're just not there. You know, you just you can't feel it. Um, you know, for ba again, for baseball, it's harder. Like if there's a runner at first and a guy hits the ball in the gap, I've got to know if that runner's rounding third and, and trying to score. If there's a high fly ball down the line. Um, I've got to know if it's a home run. And there are certain ways I do that when I'm at the ballpark that I'm not able to do uh, when I'm calling it from a studio. So, you know, any broadcaster will tell you it's better when you're on site um, in terms of calling the game. So uh, glad we're back to that. Yeah, definitely. Like you said, a couple of people I've talked to, like Adam Amin comes to mind. He was saying the same thing. Like, it's just, there's no substitute. So no. from the college basketball season, I thought, you know, obviously UNC was a huge surprise to make it to the final, uh, to beat Duke twice, like they did in the ACC tournament. And then the uh, final four, uh, I guess, when you think of this past season, what what maybe surprises? Obviously, St. Peter's can't forget that. But what kind of stuck out to you from this past season? Well, I thought it was great that there were at any point in time, I think seven or eight teams that you could legitimately say might win the national championship. And the funny part is, at no time was North Carolina one of them. <laughs> really, yeah, you know, during yeah. the season, right? I mean, North Carolina had some decent wins, but they got blown out by Kentucky, blown out by Miami, blown out by Wake Forest. You know, middle of February, they lose at home to Pitt, and they're kind of on the bubble at that point. So, you know, until the, and then they got going. They really got going and obviously became a huge story and, and nearly pulled it off uh, at the end, losing to Kansas in the championship game. But I, I thought it was great that at any point in time, seven or eight teams looked like legitimate national championship contenders. You know, the whole Coach K last year, that was obviously a very big storyline. Um, uh, Great freshmen, you know, Chet Holmgren and Jabari Smith and and on and on. And and I just thought it was a really interesting year. I thought I thought the basketball was good, was 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 good. You know, because of the uh, the NIL, I think some guys came back who otherwise would have turned pro. So I think the game was a little bit older, a little bit more experienced than it normally was. Uh, which I always love to see because I cover college, but I don't cover the NBA. Whenever a guy's on the fence, I hope he stays in college. I mean, like, you know, he's, he, you know, he can do whatever he wants to do. Obviously it's his life, but you know, if, um, if a Johnny Davis or, uh, or a Jaden Ivey or any of these guys want to come back next year, I'm all for it. So, and I know most of them don't, but I, I thought the game was good. And, and um, I, I thought it was wide open and unpredictable and there was a lot of talent in the game this past year. So, you know, St. Peter's, as you said, was a great story uh, in the tournament. And then to have kind of the blue blood final four that we wound up with, there were, there was a lot of good stuff there. 
I went to Longwood, so they finally made it to the tournament, and St. Peter showed that a team like Longwood, maybe they make a, well, Elite Eight run at least at some point, so hopefully. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, do you have a, a Coach K story by chance or just any interactions with him that stuck out? I mean, he, he was great to me the whole time, really. I met him for the first time probably 25 years ago. And I was doing a game with Dick Vitale the first time that I did a Duke game. And, and uh, you know, so that's a whole scene in itself, obviously. But um, Coach K loved making Canada jokes, too. Loved making fun of me for being Canadian in a good-natured way. And, you know, a couple of times I would say to people around him, like, that's a joke, right? Like, he likes me, right? And and they said, oh, yeah, yeah. If he's making fun of you, he likes it. And I said, okay, that's good. But um, he was he was always terrific with me, whatever, you know, if I needed time, he would give it to me at practice. He would come over and talk and, you know, make a couple of jokes, but then, but then ask whatever we needed. But, you know, it, it's a real experience going to Cameron indoor stadium. It really is. And I know some people love Duke and I know some people hate Duke. I'm neutral. And, you know, I'm just saying as a broadcaster going to Cameron indoor stadium is an unbelievable experience. So I have cherished the opportunities um, that I have had, you know, and Roy Williams, who retired a year before too. I don't want to leave Roy out. Roy was absolutely wonderful to me every year that I called his games going back to the days at Kansas. So, you know, I appreciate it. I was a young Canadian kid. Nobody knew who I was. And I showed up out of nowhere on ESPN all of a sudden one day back way back when, and, and for, you know, for coaches like Roy Williams and Mike Krzyzewski to, to, uh, you know, treat me the way that they did. I, I'll always be very grateful. Yeah, it's really cool that you could say that you had those relationships with those guys, legendary uh, coaches as well. And I just remembered, I think you caught a UVA Virginia Tech game at Virginia Tech a couple months ago. And yeah. I think you guys were talking about it was one of the loudest environments. Or, it was the loudest one I saw this and, season. It was absolutely yeah. that in Arizona. I'd say Virginia Tech and Arizona were the two loudest games I was at this year. And and I don't go to Blacksburg very often, maybe every, I don't know, four or five, six years or something like that. And I, obviously, I know it's a rivalry game when Virginia comes to town and it was just kind of the perfect storm. And, and that game I did with Corey Alexander, we couldn't even hear hear ourselves think. It was it was insane that night. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I know uh, Blue Jays, as we were talking about, very exciting. I know the Leafs, they have had a really good season as well. Playoff bound, Austin Matthews is insane. I know you guys are trying to get this, so good luck <laughs> to you and your Leafs. <laughs> They're just trying to get out of the first round. They haven't been out of the first round in a long time. but. Um, you know, they're a funny team. They could get not their division is great. And I, I, I think as it stands now, it looks like they might play Boston. I'm not hundred percent sure it could be Tampa, I guess, but, um, it's not going to be easy just to get out of the first round. They could get knocked out. They could win the Stanley cup. There's absolutely no way to know, but, um, I haven't been around forever, but I've been around long enough to say Austin Matthews, the greatest goal scorer who's ever played for the Leafs. I don't think it takes, uh, you know, a genius to figure out that he's got 58 goals already. He set the franchise record. He's, He's going to add to it. He is. He and Mitch Marner are, are really something else. They're they're pretty excited. Yeah, definitely yeah. a loaded team. Thanks again for chatting with me. It was really cool to chat with you again. Good luck to everything that you're doing this year with the Blue Jays and everything you know beyond TV. So thank you. I appreciate it. Good to catch up with you again. Be well. Three, two, one, zero.